Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Hello, everyone. Good morning. We are live from Smash Studios here in Hudson Yards, New York. As Good Morning New York gets underway on this very cold Tuesday blustery morning, at this hour... Uh, what we are going through today, some say is natural because we have been here before, but I don't buy it. Deals are harder to do, which means we need to work harder to save each one of them. But that seems standard to me, right? So what's the rub here? Prices have come down, but I think more is needed to meet buyers' expectations, but are sellers there yet? If you want to stay in the business of making deals, you need to work very differently than ever before and find that coveted amount of patience within. Both buyers and sellers need uh, skillful expertise and very experienced representation now more than ever, so we need to step up to the plate. Also at this hour, Nikki Field from Sotheby's International Realty is here with us today, and we will get an update on lots of things from this icon, as I say, in our industry. But first, I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. I am Vince Rocco, and this is Good Morning uh, New York Real Estate. In the news this morning, every Sunday between Thanksgiving and New Year's, the New York Transit Museum uh, will run its holiday nostalgia rides departing from the 2nd Avenue F train station, the 1930s R19 train uh, cars have uh, a, de- uh, a depression rather era art deco aesthetic complete with rattan seats, paddle ceilings, vans, incandescent light bulbs, roll signs, and period advertisement. This according to the announcement. I'd love to see it. The New York Transit Museum has been hosting its iconic nostalgia rides since its opening in 1976, and I didn't really know about it until just last week. The <laughs> R19 train cars, and believe me, I was around in 1976, not in the city. <laughs> the R19 train cars first ran along the independent subway system, IND, the 8th Avenue line. That was the first subway company run by the city when it opened in 1932 and continued to run on letter lines through 1977. For a complete schedule of rides, go to their website at the New York Transit Museum. New York evictions seem to be plunging under new rent control laws. This, according to Wall Street Journal's Josh Barbanal, he says a new tenant protection law enacted by the state may already be paying off for tens of thousands of New York City renters as the number of eviction cases filed by landlords has plummeted. The decline was steepest for the most common type of cases, those brought by landlords against tenants who fall behind on rent payments, according to the Wall Street Journal. Analysis of court data. The new law eliminated certain incentives for landlords to turn over rent regulated apartments because they could no longer significantly raise rents on the new tenant on the next tenants or remove most of the apartments from the city's uh, rent rule. As a result, New York City landlords, not known for their patience when it comes to late rent checks, appear to be giving tenants these days a little more time. This, according to the lawyers who were investigating the cases. The villa portion of Renato Realty Trust 220 Central Park South is now half sold out as an anonymous buyer has just closed on the unit below Sting's penthouse at 46, for rather, $46.5 million. The buyer entity 220 CPS International LLC is associated with two attorneys who have bar admissions in both New York and Mexico. The 4,340-square-foot, two-story uh, unit identified as V14 has one bedroom and one bathroom. Uh, and I just keep saying, in 4,300 square feet, I get the one bedroom, but 
can't you find room for at least two more bathrooms? I mean, you can have company, really? Uh, that's located directly below the Tripex, as I said, uh, penthouse, uh, which Sting closed on for $65.7 million back in July, just before you know the mansion tax stuff changed. The final sale price works out to be more than $10,722 per square foot. This latest closing comes hot on the heels of a nearly $60 million closing on the 46th floor of the tower behind uh, this portion of the building uh, on Monday of last week and represents the fifth closing at the luxury, ultra-luxury development's 10-unit, 18-story villa. Sales at 220 CPS launched in 2015. Wow, that's quite amazing. Listen, it's I'm incredible. serious about the one bedroom, the one bathroom, though. I mean, what, what's that about? It's a great point, Vince. If you spend that much money, at least have a powder room. I mean, if you have company, you want to be using your bathroom. <laughs> at mean, least a have powder a powder room, <laughs> three more bathrooms, a couple of bedrooms. Yeah. Unbelievable. You need something. Anyway, our first guest today is Nikki Field. As I said, she's been a senior global real estate advisor with Sotheby's International Realty since 1998. She pioneered the team sales model in Manhattan by founding the infamous field team, the field team, transaction, transacting nearly $3 billion in sales and annually ranking as the number one sales team at Sotheby's. You know, when I last time I introduced you, you were at $2 billion, so you're up $1 billion in, I don't know, eight months, nine months a year. <laughs> Mazel tov, as they say. Yes, Nikki blinked. Nikki blinked. <laughs> there you go. The field team advantage consists of 19 experienced professionals, each with general market strength as well as a mastery of, of specific areas. Nikki has been consistently ranked by the Wall Street Journal Real Trends annual report as one of America's top 250 real estate professionals and consistently one of uh, the in the top 20 in New York City. In 2018, Nikki sold the most expensive resale in New York City, $54 million, and she represented both buyer and seller. In 2019, as lead sales director for 212 Fifth Avenue, what a building that was, uh, she successfully sold out the $400 million plus project with a downtown highest record uh, in, in single sales of $80 million. Boy, that made history as well. I can go on and on, but believe me when I say this is a force in our industry. Check out Nikki's website at www.sotheby'shomes.com for all her listings and her complete bio. Always one of my favorite guests, Nikki Field. Good morning, and thank you for coming back to, to, to visit with us. Good morning, Vince Rocco and team. I'm so excited to be in your new home, Smash Studios. That's right. You haven't been here since. You know, everybody says to me the other name was better to say on the air, and I disagree with that, and not because I just love Smash Studios, but I just think Smash seems like really, you know. I think it's relevant for what you do, my dear. Yes, we're going to smash it every week, right? And how opportune that we're actually in Hudson Yards as well. (laughs) which is the energy <laughs> of, the, of the market right now. So thank you for permitting my participation today, and thank you for bringing me to the West Side. Oh, listen, absolutely. Um, all right, so let, let, let me start with you. You know, I, I think about, you know, everybody always wants to separate the luxury market to the ultra-luxury market to the normal market, whatever normal means, to, you know, different price points, whatever. So my question, you know, uh, to start off with, is this, is selling super luxury easier or more difficult based on the client profile? Because obviously if someone is spending $80 million, someone is spending $40 million, that client profile is a little different than, you know, normal people spending a million, two million, whatever. What What is your take on that? Well, again, whatever normal means. I don't know what normal means Before anymore. Before answering that, let's just define the parameters of the sure. ultra-luxury market. Um, this is really a tale of two New York markets. There is the over $20 million buyer and seller, and all others. 
Yeah. An interesting element which supports the sales that you were reporting on over at 220 is that this year's data is far stronger than anybody had anticipated in the luxury market. Actually, the luxury market in New York in 2019 up till December 3rd is responsible for 1.2% of the sales, the sales being at this point a little over $13 billion. Mm-hmm. Uh, of those 1.2% of sales, um, almost 17 of, there were 81 in total and 79 of them were in Manhattan. So 71 sales happened in 2019 up to this date, over $20 million. This time last year, there were 103 sales of over $20 million. So you see a, a dip, but certainly not a significant one. The most important thing to know in this, for brokers in particular, is 57 of the 79 sales over $20 million were in condos. Last year yeah. this time, there were only 55 uh, sales sold over $20 million. 36 of those sales, of those uh, 57 sales, response units were up from 30. So this is a very healthy luxury market. It is, without exception, just as fluid, just as popular, just as sought after as we've seen in the past. So the luxury is alive and well in New York. Uh, I think it's indicative of the economy that we're living in right now. Mm-hmm. But the elements around our market and the different segments of it have colored it differently. Yeah, and I agree with you. You know, you've got to always take what you read sometimes or hear, you know, in the news as you know, with a grain of salt because everybody has luxury, doom, and gloom. But when I read off some of these numbers in, in, in our intro, you know, $80 million, $40 million, $65 million, without naming names, uh, you know, these are people who come to this town to buy. And, you know, the person who purchases $80 million, a sting you know, that's been reported, $65 million. What type of profile is that? Or how many people are out there <coughs> that can spend that kind of money in this town? To answer that in your initial question, um, people that are purchasing at this level are far less market and economy sensitive than all the rest of us. That's right. right? right. They buy what they want, Mm -hmm. when they want, at the price that they want. Because they can. They can. And they're buying this for reasons, in almost all cases in the last two years, for usage. It's not investment. Correct. It's, I want this place. Mm -hmm. It's the best uh, in class. I can afford it, and I'm going to really enjoy it. And that keeps the best of New York alive and healthy. Um, I will tell you that these people have no concerns about the carrying costs. Taxes no. and there, there are no encumbrances um, that step in the way. If we can find them the right property at the right deal, they're in. And I say right deal because smart, wealthy people don't buy stupid. But before we move on to other things, you know, sticking with this profile of people, like you said, they buy because they want to, they can, they just can spend whatever they decide to spend. You know, years ago, when I first started in this business, people wanted to be in certain neighborhoods, okay, across all price points. You know, I want to be uptown. I want to be downtown. I want to be east side. I want to be west side. Do you see with these particular profiles that we're discussing this morning, are they building centric or are they neighborhood centric or it really doesn't matter? It's the product that they find that floats their boat, so to speak, and they just go for it. Okay, well, I've got your answer and it's changed dramatically in the last year. Uh, internationals that were buying uh, between 2015 and 2017 
were very focused on neighborhood. They knew where they wanted to be. And they were de- very definitive on it. But the market that we've seen in the last two years is neighborhood resistant. They will buy literally anywhere. Mm. We're talking about anywhere. Mm-hmm. We're talking about all of Manhattan, including Brooklyn, sometimes well into Queens. They just want the best product. New York has become so less neighborhood sensitive. People will live and work and travel from just about any location now. And that is a game changer for all of us that used to be neighborhood specialists. Correct. A, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of that was driven by school zones. And now there are so many good schools that there are options. So I completely agree with Nikki, and I've, I've seen the exact same thing. And, you know, the, these people aren't worrying about being close to the subway train or right. close to the, the bus line or close to any of these things because they, they could live anywhere uh, and take a transportation. Interesting, we've got 30 seconds left to the, the segment here, but you mentioned Queens. Where in Queens? Are you talking to Long Island City or? Long yeah. Island City yeah. mostly. They still want those views and they want that water and that they want that easy commute. And that's growing. Obviously, there are many indicators for that. People that are coming from further out on Long Island are buying there, we mm-hmm. noticed. And definitely people are doing a skip and jump over New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Yes. Manhattan City. They like that proximity. They're very comfortable with the water travel. Mm-hmm. They're very comfortable with the bridge travel. Mm-hmm. And we've seen a lot of people flipping coasts. And listen, if you want the views of the New York skyline from the Jersey Shore and you don't mind a water taxi to come to work every day, why not? Prices are certainly half of what they are here in New York City, maybe more. All right, we've got to go to break. Coming up after the break, more with Nikki Field. But first, this is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We are coming right back. Don't go away. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their product. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees.
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, real estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody. We are back with Mickey Field. And also joining us are uh, our illustrious panel, Anna Shagala from Halstead, Jordan Shea from Douglas Elliman, Phil Horrigan from FreelyAndLeaseBreak.com, and Niall Lundgren from Compass. Okay, so Nikki, based on what we just talked about, you know, while most of the luxury market is sleeping or at least not confident with buying, you have managed though to inspire and to sell some of pretty price heavy property, you know, to a lot of, you know, big names, a lot of just, you know, big spenders. What is your secret? Because I we hear so many people say, and, and you and I were talking in the green room before you know the show started, uh, you know that it really is a pretty good market, and for people who have this kind of money to spend, they're out there spending. But you have some kind of a secret because you seem to be able to weather this very inconsistent market that we've been going through for I don't know eighteen months or so. What 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 is it about Nikki Field that? inspires a sale or a purchase of such grand numbers. Oh, that's very generous of you. And if I told you my secret, I'd have to kill you right afterwards. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, there we have is, a lot of witnesses here. <laughs> I, think, I think most of your listeners uh, here today understand exactly what that is. It's the health and the attractiveness of Manhattan and New York City inverance. People want to be here. And if you continue to give them reasons to be here, and if you continue to give them the data and the historical information they need to understand that others have weathered sadder markets, Mm -hmm. others have survived and prevail, weaker markets, they understand that their money is in a safe haven. And I believe everybody who buys here understands that. The thrill in Manhattan is converting someone into a Manhattan buyer and then upgrading them. Uh, Absolutely. Because now they are believers. They went in a little hesitantly. Oh, is this million-dollar property really going to be worth a million dollars in four years? And when you're able to give them a call and let them know that not only can you sell their property, you can give them an opportunity of a lifetime and put them in a, a bigger a uh, more attractive, more exciting place, uh, a place of their dreams. They're in for life, and those are the ones that are calling you back the third round and saying, what's new? What should I be doing now with these funds? No one is thinking about a fast turnaround in this market. No. We have no flippers, but we have solid people that know that if they hold, they're going to exit healthy. That's all we're communicating. You will exit healthy. And that's a great story, you know, as New York realtors that – Listen, for almost 18 years that I'm in this business, I've said that to, to to buyers and sellers many times. If you're not flipping, you know, in a, in a ridiculous way, if you have time on your side, certainly if you're raising a family, mm-hmm. you're never going to lose here. You're going to invest. And by the time you go and sell, it's going to be probably a lot more money than you paid for it. So the, the investment that, is a good thing. On the other side of that, when we're talking again about the ultra wealthy that are buying these yeah. ultra luxury homes, they're not really concerned about this. They don't look at this as an investment. Right. Their portfolio is filled with far more productive investments. They, for them, real estate is a lifestyle, is a home, is part of their portfolio of residence collection. So speaking with them 
is a lot easier than wooing other buyers into the market. They've already got the understanding that they want this lifestyle. Uh, question. So when you're dealing with, and again, no names needed here, but when you're dealing with, you know, this very high profile, let's say $20 million and more uh, buyer, um, are they confident or are they cocky? What is their, what is their persona typically? Oh, both. <laughs> Definitely both. And then how do you maneuver through that? Because, I mean, we've, we see that, you know, on the, on the lower end as well, but Something tells me that when you have a big name, you know, whoever it may be, and they're out there buying 30 million, 40 million, Sting, 65 million, there's got to there's got to be some two that comes with that with that transaction. I mean, they're well aware of the position they're in. Correct. They can afford to buy what they want, when they want, where they want, at the price that they want. Mm-hmm. And why are they afforded that? Because of all the inventory. Buyers are king right now. We know it as brokers. Sponsors know it. Sellers know it. The press knows it. Um, They have a lot of leverage and they like making a a good deal. Mm -hmm. And as long as they are presented something that's attractive and works for their, their needs and their goals, they understand the opportunity here. It's not unusual to have a mega millionaire offering 50% under the asking Correct. price. He's going to try it. Well, whether He's only or not using it 10% resume. of the time anyway. So. Exactly. <laughs> well done, Anna. So and that's their justification. They're yeah. actually easier. Um, on a mega deal that I recently had this year, $80 million, he just said to me, what do I need to do to get this? Mm-hmm. And I told him, and he said, you've got it. Now, that was a long dance up to that question. Right. Okay, that was a long dance (laughs) of of supporting the value, supporting the neighborhood, supporting the opportunity and the timing for this. But once it was locked in that this was something he he wants, and I think that most highly successful people understand this, they've identified what they want, they're going to do what they need Mm. to to secure it, but they'll do it smartly. Mm -hmm. All right, let's talk about the seller side. So when you need to price a, a luxury listing, is it easier convincing sellers of the market's new price declines or more difficult when and more difficult than when you are dealing with every other seller? So in other words, you, you're talking about an Uber luxury apartment. Uh, do you build into that conversation the possibility of needing to have a price reduction at some point in time? Or do you just go, you take the the listing at what you think the number should be and then hope for the best and then go back to the seller later uh, and say, well, you know. I'm finding these days that I try and bake in that conversation up front uh, so there's no surprises. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm not dealing with the luxury marketplace. So how, how is that working? Well, that's why you're a successful broker as well, Vince. I mean, those of us that are operating in this market do scorched earth pricing. There's no other way to um, explain it. There are lots of decisions made not to take properties mm-hmm. and more so this past year than ever before. Unrealistic sellers are a waste of your time. Mm -hmm. They're a waste of your money. They're a great toll on your emotional stability as well. There's nothing worse than having frozen inventory, something that you can't sell. So once you've learned that, once you've taken a few too many overpriced listings, uh, we learn that we go in realistically. Mm -hmm. And my perspective is very similar to many of you around the table here is give them the value. It's science. There are real numbers behind this, all right? Give them the honest-to-God value and let them know that it'll probably be less tomorrow. 
because that's the direction of the market. Then you'll give them, then I try to give them three options. Um, We could be a little aggressive and test out a price if that's what you'd like to try. You'll have my support for two to three weeks on that, Mm -hmm. depending on the traffic. And if we're not, if that number is not hooking in people, we have to get to value or the third choice is yeah. undervalued. If you want to sell, if you want to sell now, and these are what all my upgraders are doing, we are pricing undervalue. undervalue you absolutely. get 10% undervalue, we get you in contract within a month, and you can grab that property that you want to upgrade you to. You might get multiple offers. And it's happening yeah, all the time. True. I just moved something with three offers. I haven't had three offers on a property mm-hmm. in five quarters. Mm-hmm. It was really... It, Exhilarating! I thought I was doing something right here. No, I just priced it under value. That was not brain science. You know that that's an old trick that's still in this marketplace, still works. I mean, and every time you can't always get to do that, but every time I've done it, it's always worked in spades. We've talked a little bit about this before the show, and you mentioned it uh, a little while ago. Your thoughts on sellers selling lower than expected? Okay, everybody wants a price, but they're selling a little lower than expected based on your expert pricing, but they're buying their next home lower than expected also. So as we, you and I talked about before, they may be going from a, a six to an eight or a six to a nine or a seven to a nine when in, you know, in the past they thought, well, I can never afford a nine. I mean, that's just way out of control. Does that resonate with clients today when they need to upgrade and you are sitting at the other end of the table saying, here's what I'm proposing to you. We're going to value price to sell and then we're going to go out and buy something larger and better, and then you can you know sit with that for years and years, and still come ahead at the end of the day. That that's a biggie, I think, in this market. Well, that gets me excited. Uh, the the upgraders, as we call them, the, the golden geese in today's market. And for brokers that haven't <clears throat> yet taken this position, I I certainly encourage them. Um, obviously, you are servicing the clients you have. Think about the clients you don't have. People you know are once sold. Get to them as we've been doing on a, on a very regular basis. And this is my business plan for the second half of 2019 and the first quarter of 2020. Notifying people what they could have that they hadn't even dreamed of. Which means this opportunity for you is available at this price which is the lowest in three decades. Mm-hmm. We must sell your property. Right. We understand that. And you're going to take a hit on it if you bought it in the last three to four years. If you bought it before that, we're going to get you out whole or with some profit. But the spread you're going to benefit by in the upgrade far out delivers. And in most cases, we can show 25, 35, up to 40% spread advantage to buying up. Mm-hmm. So we then get mm-hmm. a phone call back saying, sure. well, I was thinking about what you just told me. Mm-hmm. And I I think we want to trade in our classic six on park to a 10 on fifth. Mm-hmm. What's that going to cost me? And how soon can you sell my place? Very easy setup. I can sell your place to put you in a position so you can be all cash mm-hmm. or be board qualifiable for your purchase. If we underprice your unit, we'll get it into contract within a month. In almost all cases, they buy that. The short-sighted sellers don't. Correct. All right. They Correct. just don't. All right. They don't get the message quickly. They understand that their neighbor three floors below sold at X amount and they should be getting more than that. Mm-hmm. They have to go through an experience that proves that not only have they now lost the property that we went to visit that they're dreaming for, they have to understand that our advice 
You know, mm-hmm. our reading of the market is correct. And if they want to act, they act according to our strategy. And listen, I think, you know, it's a hard conversation to have. But I, but, but if those who are interested in the long term, not just short sightedness, they're going to listen to that. They're going to cooperate. And, you know, we talked about it earlier. In my opinion, you know, people generally do not lose money in their real estate here in New York City, regardless of the price point that they're investing in. So if you take the expert advice from people who know uh, and the spreadsheet works and, and you know, 10 to 20, 15 to 20%, I mean, that's not so bad. You're going to make it on the other end, but you're going to be living for many more years in a much larger space. With a lot more nev- bathrooms. <laughs> a lot more bathrooms. And, 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 and you never thought you were going to get there. Anyway, we have to take a break. Stand by. We are live from Smash uh, Studios here in Hudson Yards, New York. Uh, you're listening to the Voice America Talk Radio Network. I am Vince Rocco. Don't go away. We're coming right back. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back. And uh, first, a word from our sponsor, a good friend, a new podcast host to Voice America Business Channel has just started a very good show on real estate investing for commercial transactions. James Nelson is a pro with many, many years in the business, and I'm excited to say I know him and he has personally invested in sponsoring this show. His commercial will run during our commercial breaks, but in the meantime, real estate investing live from New York will provide you with everything you need to know about investing and operating commercial real estate. Although the show was based in New York City, it explores the fundamentals of investing in all asset classes across the nation. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of TV and radio shows that deal with investing in the stock market, and yet almost none that cover exclusively commercial real estate. This is not a get-rich-quick or how-to-flip-home show. We will teach. He will teach you how to go step-by-step to source, acquire, improve, and operate commercial real estate. The show will start with a recap of New York City commercial real estate news, followed by an investor spotlight uh, with a legend in the business, then feature industry experts covering every aspect of the business. 
Tune in live to the Voice America Business Channel every Tuesday evening tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific, and look for the return uh, the rerun shows later in the week. All right, we're back with Anna Shagalov from Halstead, Jordan Shea from Douglas Elliman, uh, Phil Horrigan, Freely and LeaseBreak.com, Niall Lundgren from Compass, and Nikki Field is with us from Sotheby's International Realty. All right, so let me start with all of us and social media, okay? As social media sophisticated mobile apps are improving by the day and the interface becomes more reliable between our office computers and our mobile devices, how are we all keeping up with this? I mean, you know, social media, you know, people people have, you know, both sides of the spectrum commentary. It's good, it's bad, it's too much, it's it's overdone, it's this, it's that. How are we keeping up with it on really a day-to-day basis, whether you're on your phone, your iPad, your laptop, uh, and then all the apps that are included, Facebook and LinkedIn and, and Instagram and then stories. You know, people say to me the stories are wonderful. I absolutely agree 100%. But doing stories on a regular basis to keep fresh and keep in front of people is a full-time job. It takes a lot to keep stories up to date. Well, there are people that actually make it their full-time job. Correct. And a lot of the the busy brokers hire those people to do it for them. You just need to find somebody that has your voice. And and yeah, oh, yes. but that's that's difficult, and it's also a little dangerous because yes. you can lose your voice if you hire the wrong person um, right. and you outsource that. I think what's really important is when you do do your own social media is that you do do it uniquely yourself. Right. One thing that I've been doing is um, it, there's just so many different social media uh, networks out there is I've been diversifying a little bit, um, doing some vlogging on YouTube, um, spending more time on Twitter, uh, not as much on Instagram just because um, I know that that's something that I've invested a lot of my time and effort into and I'm going to come back to um, in 2019. Plus, I think if you're on Instagram too much, you know, like your brain kind of goes crazy. So I'm like taking a little bit of a pause there and then and then opening up um, other avenues like Twitter, for example, which I think is, is an unbelievable um, network that I think is often overlooked. I have my ups and downs with Twitter these days, but you're right. It, it absolutely um, for a lot of people is is right in the forefront of their daily work and then for others it's completely overlooked and I really kind of avoided it for years and then lately I started looking at it again but we're going to do that's another whole another whole conversation another whole conversation all right Cochrane Sunshine Marketing Group said the current glut of apartments is the result of a one-time wave of building that began a few years ago after the dramatic success and rising prices for the first wave of luxury buildings that came on the market after the financial crisis. So we're taking this way back to 2008, 2009, uh, when Lehman Brothers crashed and, and the world you know, kind of s- stayed still for many, many months. There will be more than 9,000 unsold new condo units on the market in Manhattan by the end of 2019, which we're right at, uh, a supply that could take up to nine years to sell out, this according to Jonathan Miller of Miller Samuel. So my question is, how do we fix this? And who can withstand nine years of a wait period, generally speaking, to sell out inventory? Now, we're talking, you know, the developers, you know, have these things on their mind and these these issues on their mind. How, I mean, you know, what are we doing with this? I mean, inventory is plentiful. I mean, that actually is a question of payment schedule. It's really not a question so much of who can necessarily afford it. The answer is no one can afford it, but everyone can afford it. If you've properly set up your lending 
for the project mm-hmm. or you outsource and you take like a you know a bip or two higher on whatever note and you refi it or you source it out you're fine i mean it's really just the source of capital that these developers have used and then it depends on their cost per square foot basis what their strike price needs to be how many loss leaders they can actually afford to have in the development before you know, the whole thing is a wash. And some of these products, which are sub-luxury, but post-rental, they really need to consider whether or not they're going to move to rental, do rent to own. I mean, it's a complicated question. I think there's a lot of these large buildings with, um, you know, a stack that includes 300, 400 units in some cases. Mm-hmm. And we're talking citywide, and I don't know if they're talking Manhattan or only, or if they're incorporating Brooklyn, because it sounds a lot like those are Brooklyn figures mm-hmm. as well, as well as Queens. I think it's Where zoning city, really yeah. opened up on the riverfront and people were allowed to overbuild. Uh, I mean, people will be allowed to do whatever they do until this problem gets fixed, but there's really an oversupply in markets that can't support that absorption rate. And, um, you know, if you're, if it's apples to apples, but one apple is in Brooklyn and the other apple is in Manhattan, I'm going to buy the Manhattan apple every time. It's just more convenient and it's just a more stable product. And people say to me all the time, and I certainly have developers in the queue waiting for their buildings to be finished. So people are curious as to why developers are still building and bringing product to market when the absorption rate already is nine years. So, you know, I look at my my developers, I've got two in the in the hopper, hopefully for next year, and I'm thinking, all right, so when we're ready to launch and ready to open the door, I mean, you know, will people come and visit me? They build it, they have to they have to launch it. This is an easy answer though. The economy is quite different in this market environment than it was in our other falls. All right. When we totally. had when we yeah, had totally. very serious yep. market declines, we had very seriously poor performing yeah. economies. Right. Our economy could not be stronger. That's why the banks are sticking with uh, their their clients. The lenders are extending those loans. Everybody's looking at the opportunity of the economy pulling back up the the real estate market. That's why they're still building. They are very forward thinking. They know that we've got a couple more years of inventory to to clean out, but they understand that the long run, because the funding is still plentiful, that they will do quite well. Totally different environment that we find ourselves in. I couldn't agree with you more, but according to Street Easy and their prediction, I know we're not Street Easy, Street Easy friendly over here, condo clearance <laughs> sales will become the norm, okay? Their data says that that discounts are going to become the norm. So in 19, 2019, it became apparent that New York City has built too many fancy condos. In 2020, these condos will go on sale as developers accept the reality of the market and lenders get impatient with their getting their money back. Compounding the issue, another 5,600 units are set to hit the market, further disrupting the balance between supply and demand. Predictions are deals will be made at 15 to 25% off of list price. Okay, The changes to New York State mansion tax that went into effect in July provided sellers with a strong incentive to strike deals Prior to that change, some did. Uh, Sting, I think, did when he closed uh, before July on his $65 million place. <clears throat> How deep do you think these discounts are really going to be? I mean, 15 to 25%. Is that accurate, Nikki? By the way, this is really good news. I mean, if anyone is receiving what you've just said as a 
as a fear factor. No. Absolutely not. This is no, really good deals. There's going to be yeah. far it's more discounts, deeper cuts, yeah. which will warrant greater traction and um, transactions. This is what we're doing and what builders have come to terms with is a clarification and a realistic um anticipation of the profit margin will they be cutting this is my question will they be cutting down on the quality of their product in order to deliver a higher profit margin we have to look for that and if that happens believe me we as brokers and clients themselves will be gravitating to the better built properties yeah i mean that 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 that, uh, touches on reputation and the longevity of those particular developers and if they want to continue because when there's a down there's an up this is new york city it will not always be like this they don't want to be that person that um that builds a poor quality product and then 10 years from now their name is just uh you know going downward because you know, it's not the, selling. there's always that, there's, that better product. there's always that infamous offering plan and the special risk section that you know outlines everything. And there's always that line in there somewhere along somewhere along in that that book that's you know yay thick that says developers have the right hold the right to make changes at any particular time between build and delivery. So fear that some people have brought to me in my new development is so well when the development is finished and because of the market conditions will they potentially change the cabinets, the the appliances, the flooring, the this. In other words, make it a lot less fancy than what we're showing currently today. Typically, no, based on what Anna just said, if they're reputable and if they Mm -hmm. want to keep their reputations and and their their product product high-end, they won't do that. But, you know, sometimes, you know, they just don't have a choice. I've seen it happen once only in all the years I'm doing new development. That's why there are walkthroughs and punch lists. And, uh, you know, the buyers are holding their developers to the standards that they're promised. Couldn't a good attorney write something about that in a contract? You know, they would fight but, it, but, but, it, but it's in the offering plan. You can't really change what the attorney general has approved in that offering plan. So they can write whatever clause they want on the contract. Right. The developer is never going to accept it right. because that's not in their best interest. Again, it hasn't happened. I've seen it only once. And it wasn't even a major change. It was an appliance name change. But And people flipped out. They're waiting for, you know, Wolf, and they're getting, you know, GE, whatever, just to use an example. <laughs> well, listen, yeah. you know, that makes a big difference. Totally. Yeah, you know, that makes a big difference. So you, do you, so before we go to break, do you think we have, you know, uh, the buyer pool out there that's okay with these potential 15 to 25% discounts? Do you think that's enough to incent them to get out there and buy? And do you think that will start moving some of this nine-year inventory that we have out there? I- I think we only need to look at this last month. Uh, probably everyone around I this agree. table last and many of you listening know that November looks like a game changer. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just talking about my own perspective, which was the field team. Uh, we put $68 million in contract in November. Uh, that was uh, that was after an October of $23 million put in contract and a September with zero on my team put in contract. Uh, September it, was crazy. <laughs> November at, at Sotheby's rivals the same numbers as two years ago. Something's happened. Yeah. Ma- people are getting off of the sidelines. There's an impatience or I there's an that. opportunity yes. that's that. driving sales this month. Mm-hmm. I think that's a precursor for 2020 and I believe we're all going to have an extraordinary year. We're going to have 
buyers coming out of the woodwork for these opportunities. What did you say to me before the show started? This is the broker. You're the broker or something? (laughs) This is definitely, I feel very, very strong. Nikki has declared this the year of the broker. And I kind of agree with that. I declare it. And so it is true. (laughs) The buyers are, buyers are often, they get, they get worried that they're going to miss the bottom and then they, they come out in droves. Mm -hmm. And I, I completely agree. What's really great, I believe, for our industry is what we've just gone through because it's made us all better, smarter, sharper, Mm -hmm. faster. It's raised the bar for us Mm -hmm. as a career. It's weeded out a lot of that. Thank you, Anna. You well know it's weeded out all those bad actors. (laughs) Um, In order to, to continue to do sales in this market that we've all survived in, you must be a transactionary, not a negotiator. You truly have to come together with your partner on the other side yeah. and together in the best interest of each of your clients figure out what's going to get this transaction completed. And that has honed our skill sets to a level that I, in 20 years, have not uh, experienced before. I'm just better at what I do right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that is going to, in the end, benefit all those consumers out there. We truly are going to be all of us residential portfolio advisors, mm-hmm. not door openers and salesmen. Yes. Oh, 100%. All right. With that, we'll go to break. We're live from Smash Studios here in New York. We are coming right back with segment four. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders, so you can move to what moves you. I'm Jeff Goodman at Halstead, and I love Vince's show. I host a program of my own, but not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is about our city's great neighborhoods, their history, texture, and their current vibe through interviews with historians, business owners, and interesting neighborhood personalities. We're broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc and available on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasts. Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. I bring the city's great neighborhoods to life. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. 
If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back to segment four, and we're here with Anna Jordan, Phil Nile, and Nikki Fields. So, Phil Horrigan, mm, yes. with the new rent law regulations in place, the sales market in a slump and people resigning, re-signing, rather, their leases or starting new ones. Are there any concessions for renters these days? All I keep hearing is how hot the rental market is. I don't play in it that often, but, you know, everybody around me is telling me that the prices have gone up significantly. What's the deal? The prices have definitely <clears throat> gone up, but there are also definitely concessions out there. Um, we're heading into the slow. There are concessions. There are concessions. Okay. But it also, it depends how you define concessions, because as a renter, you can go to a building directly with no broker. There's no fee, right? That's like considered a, a no fee building. Is that considered a concession? Because some of those same buildings will also pay a broker sometimes to bring you. Correct. So I guess what I'm trying to say is from a, I look at it like more from a renter's perspective when they're looking at the market, what percent of listings have fees versus don't have fees? Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you look at lease break, for example, because we have a really good mix of everything on there. We have, we take the RLS feed. So we have all the 12 month broker listings. We have short term rentals, we have lease break sublets, we have short term rentals from landlords, we have everything. And it seems like about 45% are no fee overall in aggregate. I would expect that to be a little bit higher actually heading into the winter season. Usually that tricks of, uh, uh, goes above 50%. And I think that is because the market's a little stronger right now, the rental market. But but still, I mean, you know, h- half the listings are no fee, which means either either you just walk into those buildings or the owner is paying the broker fee. Um, one other thing I want to mention that it just really hasn't <clears throat> gotten any attention, I don't believe at all, since the new rent law was passed. But um, are you guys familiar with the new lease break provision in the new rental law? And I mention that because we're talking about the rental market and it is now easier to get out of your lease. Yes. And it's a pretty big deal. It's only trickling out to the market. Some landlords aren't even adhering to it just yet. Um, But I want to read directly from the law for a second, just this one sentence. The landlord shall, in good faith and according to the landlord's resources and abilities, take reasonable and customary actions to rent the premises at fair market value or at the rate agreed to during the term of the tenancy, whichever is lower. So this is in a lease break situation. So, and if you, if you read on more, it'll say that the landlord now has a duty to mitigate the damages in a lease break situation. And they have to put the apartment on the market, if you're breaking your lease, at either the current rate in the lease or the current market rate, whichever is less. In other words, this is huge incentive to, you talk about trading up in sales. I mean, you could get out of your lease, essentially, a lot easier than you used to be. You, New York used to be a pretty tough market to get right. out of your lease. Correct. So I guess what I'm saying is, this is, this is another, um, you, you talk about like other concessions out there. This is another positive for the rental market. And we are heading into the slower season between November and February is the best time as a renter to get an apartment, get a rental. People are saying these days, typical of the marketplace, why rent? Instead of buy, I'm sorry, why buy instead of rent? Right? Right. Well, what's your answer to that? When they say, why should I buy? So Why should well, I buy so, when I could rent or keep right. my rent and, and so, you know, call a day, maybe next year things are better. Right. We're going to talk about predictions right after that. When I was working full-time as a broker, one of the things I would always do is I would 
get out a worksheet and I would show them what their rent would be if they just rented and then what their cost would be if they bought after taxes. And then you compare the two and it's like, wow, it's actually cheaper to buy. And that would almost always be the way to go. I will say it's a little more confusing now because the new tax law. So sometimes it's harder to make that calculation. And that in itself is also making things a little trickier because when there's more confusion and people aren't as certain, they just tend to rent. And there is a lot of uncertainty out there, unfortunately, that we talked about. So if people are not sure what's going to happen, I know Nikki is very positive on the market next year. I think that's great. I hope she's right. I hope that happens. But there is a lot of uncertainty with the election. People don't know what's going to happen. I mean, maybe the $20 million buyer and up, they care less about that. But the buyer that's going to only be here for five years, they're like, wow, do I really want to buy now? If the market's going to go down another 10% with all this uncertainty, I'm just going to rent. And it, it is so much harder to do that after tax calculation now because of all the different taxes that are in the mix that I'm having a hard time doing. it, And, and then buyers are having a hard time justifying why they should buy over rent. Nikki, your prediction for 2020, you stated it before, but just give us to us again quickly, if you don't mind. Good year, okay year, presidential election, have anything to do with it? Okay, well, it's directly on the heels of 2019, which was a challenging year, but still a very healthy year. We're talking about $13 billion in sales to year to date mm-hmm. uh, so far. That's a healthy headwind to begin. Absolutely. I believe uh, 2020 is going to be more the same. Deep price cuts, absolutely. Uh, certainly on age listings. The good news is new listings will be priced correctly. There's not a broker out there worth their salt that's going to take a property on overpriced and make any money these days. So pricing correctly is paramount and sellers are going to buy into it because they've read the memo. Uh, deals will be made. Most definitely. I strongly believe that we're going to see the return of the international buyer, whether it's pre-election, during election period, or after. And one of the catalysts will be the sale of the Waldorf Astoria residences. I feel that the international buyer has already connected with that product. They've known about it for a number of years. It is a brand that they relate to from all continents. And I think they'll be pouring into a well-priced project that will begin the spigot for other international buyers coming back. We welcome them home. Hannah. Mm-hmm. I agree with Nikki that uh, 2020 is going to be, there's going to be a lot of movement. And I think that with prices going, continuing to go in the direction of downward, uh, I think buyers will start to worry that are they waiting too long? And I think, um, you know, there's always there's always a level where they're everyone's terrified of missing the bottom of the market. And we've been we've been on a on a low threshold for last couple of years. I think next year the vibe will be different and opportunities will be achieved and conquered. Niall. <clears throat> I think the stock markets um, keep keeps going up. I think it's what just generally it's twenty five percent up this year. Um, I think that's going to continue, and that will uh, make people feel richer. You know, Wall Street bonuses are are coming. You know, around the corner, we're we're not too far away from that. So it's a good time to get back in touch with a lot of the finance folks out there, especially private equity. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. So yeah, I think I think it's it's going to be a little bit slow coming in. You know, through the new year. 
but um, you know, I'm I'm excited about you know March, April, May, and and to see what it what it does through. I think what what Jordan said, Q3 should be the floodgates opening up. Well, I was just going to have 20 seconds left. What could tell us what you told us during the break? Well, I just I think that uh, Q3 we're going to solve a lot of our uh, trade war issues. It just makes uh, political Q3 of 2020. Strategic, yeah, of 2020. It makes sense politically just before the election to fix all of the trade problems that we've now created. And so I think that you're going to see a flood a little bit of the international. Okay, got to go. That's it. That's it for the broadcast today. Thank you for joining us. You can follow me on Twitter, on Facebook, and Instagram, at Vince Rocco. We are back next week because if it is Tuesday morning, it is Good Morning New York Real Estate. Shoot for the moon, everyone. Even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. And be kind to one another. For all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.